0: Welcome to the No Fungi, No Future podcast. In these episodes, we interview experts in the field to gain a deeper understanding of the magical and mysterious networks of mycelia that are all around us to learn how they impact our lives and the planet. In this episode, we have the first part of our interview with Dr. Dennis Dejardin, who's Professor Emeritus at San Francisco State University. Dr. Dejardin has written a book entitled California Mushrooms, the Comprehensive Identification Guide which is available on Amazon, is very highly rated. In this episode, we discuss Dr. Desjardins' background and also learn about the bioactive compounds in mycelia. We hope you'll enjoy our conversation with Dr. Dennis Desjardins. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Dennis. Um, And so in the beginning of the interview, we'd love to get to know a bit more about you and your background and your career and, and things like that. So uh, I just wanted to start with a question. What led you to choose a career in mycology? Can you tell us a bit about yourself and your journey and what led you to a career in mycology?
1: Yeah, thanks Shastri for asking that. Uh, the, my beginning of my career in mycology, it, it's a long story and, and a long journey that got me to become a professional mycologist. I was uh, born and raised in uh, Northern California and spent much of my early childhood on my grandparents' farm. They were immigrants from Switzerland, and being good Europeans, they spent their life collecting wild mushrooms for the table. So when I was three years old, my grandparents and my mother took me out into the field to collect wild mushrooms for the table, and they told me that these three species are good to eat and everything else is poisonous, don't touch it. Uh, As a curious young, and even at that age, probably budding scientist that uh, made me wonder, well, how can only these three be good to eat when the other 50 or 60 things that look different to me uh, could be not good to eat and deadly poisonous? So it got my curiosity early on. I uh, went off to uh, college in uh, the Bay Area at San Jose State in 1968 and as a mathematics major to get into the into the sciences there, and a music major. And I dropped out my senior year to play music professionally and to be a carpenter and to build houses to help support my music career. I did that for 10 years in the Bay Area. And when I was 31, I sat down and literally reevaluated the direction of my life. And throughout this whole first 31 years of my life, I'd been collecting wild mushrooms and trying to identify them. I kind of think there are probably a suite of genes that make us collectors. We collect stamps, we collect coins, we collect rocks. I did all of that when I was young. I collected mushrooms and then tried to identify them. But I realized that that early on, it wasn't really until like 1972 that the first widely available field guide to wild mushrooms was published by Orson Miller of the Mushrooms of North America. Up until that point, there really wasn't much of literature for you to help identify your mushrooms, so that was a little curious as well, walk around, you see all these field guides to to plants and to animals and everything else, but no, you know, the first one for mushrooms was really uh, and widely available was in 1972. So, I started looking at that. I decided when I was 31, what I wanted to do with my rest of my life was to actually study mushrooms because they seemed so mysterious and it seemed like so little was known about them that maybe I could make an impact doing that. With that decision to study mushrooms, I did my homework and I looked around the United States to try and see who was the best mushroom mycologist because uh, I also believed in the guru-disciple approach to learning anything. And I saw that Dr. Harry Tears was at San Francisco State University, and he was the mycologist, president of the Mycological Society of America, soon to be honored with the Distinguished Mycologist Award. And uh, so I decided to go study with him so that that got me started in it and then i sat at his uh feet for four years got a bachelor's degree and a master's studying with harry and then i applied around the country for a phd programs with again a series of mycologists and found uh, dr ronald peterson at the university of tennessee and went there he was also president of the mycologic society of america and distinguished mycologist so i went to study with him as well and, and got my phd at the ripe young age of 39 And uh, that then was what a long time ago, uh, Mm -hmm. forty plus years ago, and that kind of started me off as a professional mycologist. Thank you. That's fascinating. And so, just a few questions there.
0: When you when you studied um, your bachelor's and and master's, what what degree was that? I mean, so what do you study to to become? Yeah,
1: at 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 uh, San Francisco State, the uh, the bachelor degree was as a BS in biology. Mm -hmm. And the master's degree was an MS degree in uh, ecology and systematic biology is what Uh it read. Uh And there is no university in North America where you can get a PhD that reads mycology. Mm -hmm. So you go to a place where they study mycology and have mycologists there training, but your degree usually reads something else. So my degree at the University of Tennessee is in botany. So that means you take all the botany courses and all the graduate courses in botany, as well as all the graduate courses in mycology. So you're really kind of doubling up there, and uh, yeah, and and my my all my research has been in evolutionary biology, has been in taxonomy and systematics of mushroom-forming fungi. Uh-huh. In, in the last forty years, and then I, then after I I got my Ph.D., I went to Oberlin College where I taught for a year, uh-huh. and then. My mentor, Harry Tears of San Francisco State, retired, and I came back and and was lucky enough to take his position Mm -hmm. where I was a professor at San Francisco State for 31 years. Wow. Yeah. And through that course of time, um, my research is basically uh, crawling around in underexplored uh, tropical jungles around the world and documenting the diversity and distribution of mushroom forming fungi.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, A wealth of knowledge to dive into there.
1: Your PhD thesis, what was that on? It was on uh, the myrasmioid fungi, or specifically the genus Myrasmius from the uh, southern Appalachian mountains. So uh-huh. I did uh, all my field work in the Great Smokies and surrounding areas. Very A lot, cool. of, <laughs> lot of fun. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, the PhD was 800 pages. Uh-huh. <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah two volumes it was ridiculous they, they they wouldn't bind it in one volume for me so Amazing. they bound it in two volumes yeah, in the because, days
0: probably before word processing right so
1: oh yeah that was all uh, yeah that was pretty much typed up oh wow amazing
0: mm. wow that's an amazing journey well with all of that background i wanted to dive in today into the health benefits of fungi and um um you know just get a deep dive and pick your brain on that so one of the things that i'm just learning a bit more about i never learned about this in school or anything like that was the whole concept of bioactive compounds yeah it's just is really fascinating and i i understand that they're both you know in the plant kingdom and also in the fungi which is a separate kingdom so i just wonder if you could tell us a little bit about bioactive compounds and why are they important for our health and what do we know about them what do we not know about them just give us an yeah. introduction
1: yeah sure yeah. well sort of by definition a bioactive compound is a type of chemical that is found usually in small amounts in, as you said, both plants and fungi. And basically, they have actions that promote good health, such as reducing cholesterol, inhibiting cancer, reducing heart disease, supporting the gut microbiome, uh, reducing inflammation, enhancing cognition, and many other actions. And these bioactives actually belong to a whole a number of different groups of compounds which include things like polysaccharides, polyphenols, terpenoids, vitamins, fatty acids, nucleosides, steroids, and a number of other groups of compounds. You ask why they're important for our health? Well, these bioactives uh, can act as antioxidants, anti-inflammatory agents, they're antimicrobial, and even anti-carcinogenic. So they have these really interesting properties. They can be protective against various chronic diseases and metabolic disorders, and they can also stimulate the immune system. They can enhance nerve growth. They can reduce blood sugar levels, increase blood circulation for better performance and endurance, and mm-hmm. even promote gut health. So these bioactives have a lot of these various properties that individually and collectively can help improve our health. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like a lot
0: of superpowers there, and I'm just wondering how did we first start to learn about them as you know as a uh, science the science community and what. What's well, the story behind them?
1: Yeah, the story behind them is that they've been used uh, medicinally for mm-hmm. thousands of years, uh, mm-hmm. primarily in the Asian cultures. Mm-hmm. And since they they they've been so prominent in in Asian and in traditional Chinese medicine for so long mm-hmm. that once you know science became more prominent. Uh, scientists started looking at them and really testing to see whether or not these these properties uh, really held up from from scientific scrutiny. So uh, starting off, of course, with uh, in vitro studies, uh, preclinical studies, uh, looking uh, in in cultures, uh, testing them against various bacteria to see whether they have antimicrobial factors, Uh, And then uh, testing them on mice, testing them on rats, testing on some other animals that are cooperative in in the laboratory, and then eventually moving on for those that showed some efficacy in in those preclinical trials into human clinical trials. So Mm -hmm. it's been, again, a long road there, but most of it really started by just looking back at the history of cultural uses, recognizing that that people have have anecdotally seen benefits of, Mm -hmm. of certain species of fungi, over hundreds to thousands of years. So, Mm -hmm. well, are they really there? Should we test these? And so over the last 50 years, and particularly the last 20 years, there's been a lot more scientific uh, research into uh, addressing these questions.
0: Right, right. Wow, that's fascinating. So it's almost like in the beginning of your career, very little would have been done on this, but you've seen it over the course of your career in terms of the study of bioactive compounds.
1: As far as as the scientific approach to studying the bioactive compounds, yes. Mm -hmm most yeah. of that has been happening during my career. Awesome,
0: so I'm just wondering also, uh, can you tell us a bit more about what's unique about bioactive compounds and, you know, for example, beta-glucans in, in fungi, as opposed, you know, I, I know there's a lot of good stuff in plants generally, but what's specific to mushrooms that's, uh... Uh, unique and and interesting for us to learn about.
1: Well, when you look at at most of the uh, the functional fungi supplements that are on the market now, what you will see is that they're all uh, addressing and and quantifying the beta-glucans. So beta-glucans are are a type of polysaccharide a polysaccharide is basically just a chain of sugar molecules. And this can, beta-glucans is a chain of glucose molecules. And the, the beta-glucans that come from fungi, those glucose molecules are linked together by, by, at specific carbons. And in the case of fungi, the, the backbone of the beta-glucans is a, is a, a one-carbon and three-carbon linkage that forms a backbone. And then along that, there are little side branches that are called one-six linkages and the the frequency the location and the length of these side branches play a significant role in immunomodulation Mm
0: -hmm.
1: so what's what's kind of unique and specific about the the fungal beta glucans is that they can act as prebiotics Mm -hmm. that stimulate the growth and activity of our natural intestinal microbiota Mm -hmm. and at the same time they can inhibit the growth of pathogens which is wow. pretty cool. So yeah. this, again, as you can imagine, plays a very important role in supporting the proper functioning of our gastrointestinal tract and in preventing inflammation and potential colon diseases.
0: Wow. We hope you enjoyed this episode featuring our conversation with Dr. Dennis Dejardin. Be sure to look out for our next episode coming out soon where we will continue this conversation. Until then, be sure to get some healthy mushrooms into your diet. Also, please take a moment to like or subscribe to our channel and drop us any comments. Your feedback is most welcome. Thanks for listening.